0: This is live coverage from ABC News. America in crisis. Ambush in Dallas. From ABC News headquarters, here is correspondent Aaron Katursky.
1: Dallas Police Chief David O. Brown is about to update the investigation into last week's fatal shooting of five officers. ABC's Jim Ryan is standing by live at Dallas Police Headquarters. Jim. Jim.
2: So are several dozen other reporters all standing here in the room waiting for the chief to come in and offer some sort of update. This has all been sort of in flux throughout the day today, whether he would be taking questions, whether he wouldn't, whether he would do one-on-one interviews. He's decided that he will give a statement here. Then he'll take a few questions from the the media here in the room,
1: Aaron. And over the weekend, the chief revealed some new details uh, about the attack that unfolded over several hours in Dallas. ABC's Alex Stone also there live for us now. Alex?
0: Yeah, those new details coming out uh, over the weekend, Aaron. Aaron, we know Micah Johnson had bomb-making materials, weapons, body armor, and a journal inside his home and wrote the letters RB in blood in the parking garage where he died. At last word, police still trying to figure out what those letters mean. We haven't heard from the chief in a press conference form uh... since friday morning so it's been some time we wait to find out what he's going to say here now
1: abc's alex stone and jim ryan with us live from dallas where the police chief david o'brown is about to update the investigation into the fatal shootings of five officers and the wounding of a number of other officers and bystanders they're still processing the crime scene today alex uh, and outside uh, i think you're surrounded by a bunch of flowers
0: Very much so. Uh, What uh, were two patrol cars with nothing on them on Friday morning are now completely covered, unrecognizable. Balloons, stuffed animals, flowers uh, all weekend long. Families coming, hugging, some sobbing, children sobbing, chaplains who've been speaking to the children, bending down and saying, we can't make this go away, but we can make you feel safe. Families today walking back. Sobbing. I just watched a a family walk up and, and hug a police officer here next to me. That's been going on nonstop. Strangers walking up and hugging police officers here outside of DPD headquarters.
1: We had heard Chief David Brown implore the residents of Dallas to give support to police officers, especially at this time as they continue to process what happened to five of their colleagues. And it has affected departments all over the country. Many officers now head out to patrol in pairs until further notice, such as the danger factor that they believe they're facing around the country. And there, of course, was a scare over the weekend in Dallas after uh, there possibly was a sighting of an armed person inside a parking garage. That turned out to be unfounded, but a number of jitters clear uh, and apparent around the country at different police departments as we wait for an update into the investigation of last week's fatal shootings of five officers in Dallas abc's jim ryan is in the room uh, where david brown will give that that update it, it, jim the, the police chief has really become the face of this over the last couple of days he really we'll get back to jim in a second uh, abc's alex stone also there uh, we've heard from the chief and a number of other uh, officials over the last couple of days uh, with that message of Well, hug a police officer. They've they've said it outright, and they're they're doing it.
0: Yeah, it's pretty incredible. The the chief saying on Friday that they did not feel like that they were getting the support that they needed, and that's when strangers began showing up here and doing exactly that, hugging police officers. They don't know the officers, but they're in uniform, uh, and they go up. and, And we've seen over and over again, at one point over the weekend, 30 people were lined up, to hug one female police officer, so many that her name tag fell off after all of the hugs. And the police officer was sobbing uh, at the end of it that uh, it has meant a lot to officers. It has meant a lot to this community, uh, this community that really is still on edge. I talked to one restaurant owner who said that his business has gone way down. He has a barbecue joint right outside of downtown, uh, and he thinks people are still afraid to come in to downtown Dallas because they don't think it's safe, especially after the scare again over the weekend. When snipers and SWAT teams came out, uh, that turned out to be nothing at that time. But uh, police want people to know that they feel like the threat here is over uh, and they feel like they can start getting back to their normal lives. We had heard
1: that message from Mayor Mike Rawlings on Friday that the gunman is dead, the city is safe, the healing can begin. And to that end, President Obama will visit the city on Tuesday to participate in a memorial service. Vice President Biden and former President George W. Bush will be with him uh, all to give remarks at this memorial service for the five officers killed, paid tribute to law enforcement officials uh, throughout the country uh, who wear the uniform and who protect, in the case of Dallas, protesters who were demonstrating against police tactics used in other cities in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, or outside Minneapolis, Minnesota. We are awaiting David O. Brown, the police chief in Dallas, to give an update into the investigation into last week's fatal shooting of five officers. He has already revealed that Micah Johnson had bomb-making materials and enough uh, other material in his home in Mesquite, Texas, to potentially carry out additional attacks or some other kinds of attacks. ABC's Alex Stone is with us live in Dallas. Uh, he also may have just used the protest as a target of opportunity and used it as cover.
0: That's what police believe right now. They think that he was planning something much bigger with those explosive devices that uh, that he was building. They know from the journal and reading that journal, which was a, a mix of manifestos and combat tactics that he had apparently been practicing with explosives and with weapons. They don't know, at least at last word, what the intended target was for all of that but the belief being that when the shootings happened in louisiana and in minnesota that he moved up his timeline and decided out of anger uh, over those shootings to carry out an attack but that with the explosives with the guns with the body armor that there was something else in mind they just don't know what that something else was but again they don't think this had any link to uh, international terrorism very different than orlando or san bernardino they think this was race fueled and that he was angry especially against white police officers
1: abc's alex stone with us live from dallas where police chief david o brown is about to update the investigation into the fatal shootings of five police officers uh, there are a number of questions uh, that reporters clearly still have about the investigation itself about the events and and the timeline leading up to them And the chief is going to be talking to us very shortly, we understand. And originally he was supposed to uh, do a series of interviews, perhaps only make a statement. Uh, Now it seems as though he's on a tighter schedule. So we'll deliver whatever information he has, take a couple of questions, and then that will be that. But it will be our our first uh, significant update uh, since the weekend when the chief was out speaking uh, about some of the events of of uh, Thursday night, Friday morning, uh, a period of of seven frightening hours for the city of Dallas as police officers around the country and around the world watched in horror as to what was happening to their fellow men in blue. ABC's Jim Ryan is in the room. Uh, Jim, as we were saying, the chief, David Brown, has really become the, the face of this in so many ways. He really has. Uh, I think this
2: might have revitalized his career here. Being the Dallas police chief is not an easy job. I've been watching these people for about the last 30 years. Some of the chiefs have their careers ended prematurely. Uh, they get run out of town. Others, uh, you know, have, have happier retirements, but none of them really uh, shine. Uh, in other words, it's, it's a difficult job and, and often a thankless job. Brown himself has, has problems with the, his leadership staff, but here he is to uh,
1: update us now. Police Chief David O'Brown of Dallas, the update on the fatal shootings of five police officers. You're listening to live coverage from ABC News.
3: Let me start with an update on this investigation and a clarification on uh, the making model of the robot that we use to carry a device to detonate that ended the standoff. I'm going to start with that. So the robot is a Remotek, Remotec R E M O T E C Andro A N D R O S Mark V A A1. And that Mark 5 is Roman numeral 5, so Mark V A1. We purchased the robot in 2008 at a cost of approximately $151,000. There's partial damage uh, to the extension arm of the robot, but it is still functional if we had to use it for other operations. An update on our investigation of the shootings. Our detectives are continuing to body camera footage uh, from the officers at the scene. There's over 170 hours of body camera video to download and that is ongoing. Detectives are also collecting all dash cam video. So that's the video mounted on the squad cars that also recorded some of the incident. So detectives will be reviewing all videos from surrounding businesses as well. And that's also countless hours of video. Our plans are to date and time stamp the entire incident with all video footage available so that we can see from the beginning as much as we can uh, real time action as it happened that evening. Just an update on the injuries and deaths, just to make sure we have clear clarification. Five officers were killed, nine officers were wounded as a result of gunfire or fragmentation of bullets. Of the nine officers wounded, four were Dallas police officers, three were DART officers, and two were Dallas County Community College Police Department officers there at El Centro. That brings the total number of officers, I'm sorry, the one of the dart officers that was wounded fired their weapon. So, according to our investigative notes now, that brings the total number of officers who used force against the suspect to 13. 13 used force against the suspect. Of that 13, 11 officers used their firearms and two officers used an explosive device against the suspect. Detectives are reviewing over 300 statements to determine which witnesses and officers need to be brought back for further interviews. Our detectives have also found some officers that were at the scene have not given statements yet. This has been confirmed through our preliminary review of body camera video. So these officers will be identified and brought in to give uh, statements to us. The Dallas Police Department, working with the Federal Bureau of Investigations, we're working also with our law enforcement partners in the area to determine the meaning of the initials R-B that were uh, scribed on the walls there in two locations inside El Centro. All of the police vehicles that were processed by the FBI at the scene have been taken to the Naval Air Station here to ensure that officers' personal property is returned to the families when appropriate. Can I I also give, before I take questions, just an overview of the work that Dallas police officers have done here in Dallas to protect the citizens? 2015, just last year, was our presidented 12th consecutive year of crime reduction for a total of a 53% reduction in crime, more than any major city in this country during that period. And more than at any other time in our history here in Dallas. We have our records back to 1930, to today. In 2015, we had our fourth lowest murder rate since 1930. That followed 2014 was our second lowest murder rate since 1930 in over 86 years. 2011 was our fifth lowest murder rate in our city's history. 2013 was our sixth lowest murder rate In 2010 was our 10th lowest murder rate. And they've done this by also protecting the civil rights of our citizens through community policing. In 2015, there was a 45% reduction in police-involved shootings. This year, we had one shooting where a subject was Injured, not counting the downtown shooting. We had four other police-involved shootings where where we missed, shot and missed. We have averaged over my 33-year career between 18 and 25 shootings a year. And In addition to that, in 2015, we had a 67% reduction in excessive force complaints. We average over 150 to 200 every year for the past 33 years, and last year we had 14. The overall crime rate here in Dallas is at a 50 year low. Violent crime is at a 40 year low. Our community policing efforts put us in positive contacts with over 120. 1,000 young people here in Dallas. This is the best department in the country, and I'm proud to be associated with the men and women of the Dallas Police Department. And this tragic incident will not discourage us from, from continuing the pace of urgency in changing and reforming policing in America. With that, I'll take my first question from Casey with Fox.
1: Live from Dallas, it's Police Chief David O. Brown giving a brief update on the investigation into the shooting deaths of five officers last week. Now taking questions from assembled reporters. You're listening to live coverage from ABC News.
3: be quite honest, I'm running on fumes. Many of you have asked for interviews. I've tried to nicely ignore you. I hope you understand that my brain is fried. Uh, the memorization it takes to run a major city police department just in a normal process day with all the things that happen is overwhelming. So this transpiring along with the normal things that are continuing to happen in the city is, is difficult at best. Um, Again, I go back to I'm a person of faith. I believe that I'm able to stand here and discuss this with you is uh, a testament to God's grace and his sweet tender mercies, just to be quite honest with you. Uh, because uh, what we're doing, what we're trying to accomplish here is above challenging. It, it is, we're asking cops to do too much in this country. We are, we're just asking us to do too much. Every Society of failure, we put it off on the cops solve. Not enough mental health funding, let the cop handle it. Not enough drug addiction funding, let's give it to the cops. Here in Dallas, we got a loose dog problem. Let's have the cops chase loose dogs. It, you know, schools fail, give it to the cops. Um, 70% of the African-American community is being raised by single women. Let's give it to the cops to solve that as well. That's too much to ask. Policing was never meant to solve all of those problems, and I just ask for other parts of our democracy, along with the free press, to help us. To help us, uh, and not put that burden all on law enforcement to resolve. Uh, so again, I'm just being pretty pretty honest with you. You know, I have raw feelings about all of what we do, and. Don't ask me if you don't want the answer. What's sure. Talk about what
0: resources are available to
2: officers help them and process
3: what's What's really important now for our officers' counseling services? Um, I'm at the point of making a tough decision about mandating some of it because we want to be Superman and Superwoman, and we're not. Uh, and we are the last to say we need help. Our profession has suffered from this uh, for quite a while now. And I don't want that on my conscience, that someone needs help and they're too proud to ask. I'm getting close to mandating this. I'm seeking counsel staff to make sure I don't uh, but, that's the number one uh, but that's the number one thing we need. Uh, everything else we, we need, we're getting from our law enforcement Partners, and from our city manager, and from our mayor and council, so we're we're getting all the support we need uh, from Dallas, along with support from our citizens. This has been greatly appreciated and heartfelt. Matt, yes, for ABC, You're
0: running on You're doing a good job. thank you. Um, Yesterday, you mentioned the search for accomplices. You're going through the laptop and cell phones of the shooter. Uh, I wonder if you have any information about that. anybody who might have known about this. And also, following up on what Casey mentioned, yesterday I noticed that your bodyguard was guarding you very, very carefully. There have been threats against the department. Have you received personal death threats against you in your life?
3: Yes. Me and my family received death threats almost immediately after the shooting. Um, we're uh, as a policing family here in Dallas and across the country. There, there is a heightened sense of uh, awareness around threats we've received all over the country. You have reported many of the things happening in other cities with shootings at headquarters and other types of things. Officers being shot and injured and shot and killed. And so we're we're we're, we're at a with a place where we're, we're concerned for our safety. So I don't want to just single out me. Everyone's experiencing the same type of uh, awareness, increased awareness, because of uh, people who, in my opinion, are not stable, uh, who could do grave, grave damage to us. Uh, and so we're we're all on edge. We are, we're all on edge, and we're being very careful.
0: But you are the face of this organization, and I assume that these were credible threats against you and
3: your families? We're taking them all as credible, whether whether they uh, can be confirmed or not. My, my particular threat was a, uh, a post from a private Facebook to our Dallas Police Department Facebook. So we've been unable to uh, identify the source of the threat, but we're taking it very seriously. His language was such that we we have to do that for our, for the sake of our families. Was it racially motivated? No. Gabe, you see, yes, sir.
2: Uh, yes, sir. Thank you. Uh, there was, there is a report out today that suggests that Micah Johnson may have been blacklisted by Black Power organizations based on him being unstable in some way. That's the first question. Was he blacklisted by several Black Power organizations based on your investigation? And is it a possibility that the two letters R and B could have been part of an acronym used by the Black writers as RBG? What did those letters mean?
3: We don't have that uh, information to confirm either of those. We are following uh, any and all leads. I, I, I am a little bit old school, cop. Until you show me we've exhausted every lead, I'm not going to be convinced uh, that we know everything about what happened, associations, others that might be complicit. So I'm gonna, we're gonna turn over every rock. And we're going to follow every lead till it's exhausted, until I'm satisfied <coughs> that this was the lone person. And I'm, I may be overly uh, concerned about this, but I'm highly protective of, of cops. And I want to make sure there's nobody else out there that has something to do with this.
2: Just follow up, How is it possible that no one in his family may have known that he was stockpiling weapons and ammunition and ballistic vests in
3: his home? You sound like a cop, brother. That's my question. Manuel.
0: Thank you Chief. Uh, as far as the investigation, knowing what you know now, is there anything that could have been done to prevent this attack? And on a wider scale, the protests around the country are only intensifying as a black person, a black male, a law enforcement officer. How do you bridge those two worlds?
3: If anything could be done, it, it needs to be done by uh, our, our public which includes the protesters, to have greater concern about the requirements that it puts on law enforcement when you have spontaneous protests or even planned protests to ensure their safety, but not to be inconsiderate of the officer's safety. That's, that's what could be done different. From the officer's perspective, they did a courageous, admirable job Bravery is not a strong enough word to describe what they did that day. Not only in planning to make sure the rally was done in a safe manner, that they had the right to protest, but improvising, making sure that as they spontaneously began to march, that we were able to block traffic where there were no accidents with vehicles and pedestrians trying to march and exercise, because that was unplanned, that was spontaneous. Uh, but again, I want to emphasize if something can be done, it's, it's going to be done in the public square. It's going to be done by our citizens uh, understanding that uh, this democracy requires their participation. You get my point? It's not something you can sit on the sideline and, and be a part of this democracy uh, the way our country was founded, it it required participation.
0: And again, Chief, with the other question, if I may, um, all the protests happening nationwide now, as an African-American and a law enforcement official, how do you bridge those two worlds?
3: So I've been black a long time, Manuel, so. (laughs) (laughs) It's not so much of a bridge for me, it's everyday living. I grew up here in in Texas. I'm third generation Dallasite. it's my normal to live in a society that had a long history of, of racial, you know, strife. Uh, we're much we're in a much better place than we were when I was a young young man here, but we have much work to do, particularly in our profession. And leaders in my position need to put their careers on the line to make sure we do things right, not be so worried about keeping their job. Uh, that's. That's how I approach it. I hope that it's an example for others to approach uh, the way we conduct ourselves as police officers. Is Hannah with PBS here? Nope. Carlos?
2: First of all, we are very sorry about what happened and about what the agency is doing right now. My first question will be um, what the country, the community can do for the police department and also from the city to fast through this because right now we are Approaching to the funerals, it's going to be another hard for the city and the country as well. What are your
3: thoughts about that? There's a lot that can be done. Let me reserve some of that commentary because I want I don't want to get too far from what we have planned for the rest of the week. We're starting some of the services start on tomorrow. We have a candlelight vigil tonight at eight. Uh, But there's much that can be done from political leaders. There's much that can be done. From the free press, um, and there's much that can be done from everyday citizens, and I've, and I've tried to talk about a lot of that, but I just don't want to get too distracted from grieving uh, the loss, uh, and uh, there'll be a time for expanded conversation on what what can be done.
2: And also, um, you mentioned the success of the agency in the past year, but. This year, the agency has been experiencing a series of resignations. Are you afraid that after what happened last week, this amount of resignations are going to increase or is going to become a crisis situation?
3: Right, so you, you glossed over that. Resignations, our officers have been leaving because we're the lowest paid in the area. Lowest paid. forty-four grand are starting to pay. And they've been leaving to go to other uh, adjoining uh, law enforcement agencies because of that. So it's not just resignation, it's officers not feeling appreciated. And so I just want to make that pretty clear that officers are committed to this profession, but they they want to take care of their families financially as well. And we're working to correct that. And I, I have every, every indication I get from the mayor, the city manager, and the city council, they want to correct that as soon as possible, and I, I trust that they will. Salvador?
2: Yes, sir, Chief. Um- <clears throat> You spoke about how the letter, the writing in the wall, in the wall in blood stood out, the letter's are of But what else in this investigation has stood out for you uh, as you walked through the crime scene? And also, have you had a chance to meet with, you, with the members of these police departments? So what have you told them about the future of this department?
3: Uh, as far as the ongoing investigation, there, there's many questions in my mind. There, some of the questions we may not ever know the answer to, but we're going to continue to ask ourselves the tough questions to make sure we don't uh, leave, leave any anything un, un, uninvestigated. So we, we're making sure that we don't take any uh, things for granted that we know without a full investigation. So there's there's a lot of questions and it's very complex. This person obviously had some delusion. Uh, this person also was very committed. To killing officers, uh, we don't know much else beyond that that we can uh, say with certainty. But we're we're going to find out. Uh, as far as what I'm saying to my officers, I'm I'm trying to tell them I care about them when I'm seeing when I see them face to face. It's a big department. It's hard to touch everybody at one time, so you won't see me walking past an officer without grabbing them and hugging them and shaking their hand and telling them how grateful I am for their commitment and sacrifice. Jay, with uh, time. Um, our condolences as well, sir, to officers, of
0: course. Um, you once told the Dallas News that as a young man growing up in Dallas that you were afraid often of the police. How did you overcome that fear and how would you tell young African-American men
1: to overcome that
3: fear? So when I uh, graduated high school, I got a full-ride scholarship to UT Austin. And this was 1979. Um, I come back home for the summers, uh, around 80, 81, 82, that time frame. uh, The crack cocaine epidemic hit Dallas pretty hard. My friends who stayed here uh, became involved in that, and it broke my heart. And and it changed what I wanted to do uh, in college, and I actually left college my uh, first semester of my senior year to come back and apply for the Dallas Police Department to do something about what I was seeing in my neighborhood. And my first beat was my old neighborhood, and that was just happenstance. Uh, I'm the kind of person that I, I probably wouldn't protest or complain. I'd get involved and do something about it by becoming part of the solution. And that's still in me. That keeps me going that I get so much satisfaction that I can do a small thing to help uh, this community. Uh, I, I just love Dallas, and I love serving. It's, it's part of my character, it's part of who I am, I get all the, all the crap we got to take as police officers. The, the satisfaction you get with serving, much more gratifying, much more gratifying. And it's like that for a lot of police officers in, in this country.
1: What advice would you give to young
3: black men today to overcome their fear? Become a part of the solution. Serve your communities. Don't be a part of the problem. We're hiring. We're hiring. Uh, Get off that protest line and and, and put an application in. And we'll put you in your neighborhood, and we will help you resolve some of the problems you're protesting about. Keith? Chief, uh, good morning. A couple of questions. I want to get into, it, if, if we can, what prompted the decisions that were made? What prompted the decision to send in a robot? And also, what prompted the decision to uh, to, to take Johnson out to kill Johnson, as opposed to continue negotiations? He had already killed us in a grave way, and officers were in surgery that didn't make it. I didn't know they would pass, but I knew that at least two had been killed. And we knew through negotiation this was the suspect because he was asking us how many did he get. And he was telling us how many more he wanted to kill. This, this, this wasn't an ethical dilemma for me. I'd do it again, Keith. I'd do it again to save our officers' lives. And so what about the to use a robot? To use a robot? Uh, I would use any tool necessary to save our officers' lives. And I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm oh, sorry, all questions are, is anyone changed as a result in terms of their tactics, in terms of community policing, as a result of what happened? We are committed to community policing. It, it is, in the 21st century, it is the best way to police our country. It's the best way. And, and I read those stats off to make my point. We have been a community policing organization, and we have led the country for 12 consecutive years in crime reduction by doing that type of policing. Community policing works. It makes us all safer, I'm convinced. Dan?
0: Chief, thanks for taking everyone's questions. Um, Do we have any more information about the rifle used by the shooter? Was it bought legally? Do we know where and when it was bought? And then secondly, um, I know the President is coming here this week What specifically would you like
3: to hear him say uh, when he's here? I don't have the information about his gun. I I know we have it, but I didn't bring it here with me, and I didn't put it to memory. I'm sure they've told me, and it's just uh, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, So we'll try to get that out here as soon as this is over to you all in a press release. Um, As far as uh, Mm -hmm. me... Chime ain't gonna tell the president what to say, I'm gonna pass <laughs> on that, if you don't mind. He's the president, for God's sake. All right,
0: Alan? It, did you said that believe Michael Johnson had wider plans. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what you learned, about the nature of his the preparations, these forces the CPUs using what those wider plans
2: might have been in the difference between
3: Dallas or the picture of a growing? Right. Yeah, I believe Dallas, because That's what happened Uh, i don't know whether or not uh, he planned to escape and then the bombing would start or he didn't have time to complete we just don't know uh, how the bombing aspect of of his plans were going to play out we're looking for those answers Uh, and the concern is that we haven't found something that's out there that's the concern we don't know that that's reality, but we're, we're asking the question and trying to find leads to see if there's any answers to that. Molly.
0: Yes, thank you, just to follow up on that. Um, do, we have, do you have any sense of how big of an attack he was planning and
2: what the original timeline was? I know you said yesterday that it was fast-tracked and also, all on our previous question, um, have, in terms of potential accomplices,
3: have his family members been really questioned and any of them been the detained? Not detained, we question his mother. Um, we don't know the, the scope of his plans yet. As soon as we do know that, we'll share them with you. Once we're comfortable that they won't compromise the investigation. You're not Lucy, so you must be Trevor. Yes, sir. I'm sorry, Molly, did you have a follow-up question? There was a large stockpile, one of the bomb techs called me at home to describe his concern of how large a stockpile of bomb-making materials he had, and according to that bomb tech, it, he knew what he was doing, that this wasn't some novice. And So what's on his laptop, how he learned that, we don't think he learned it in the military, at least we don't, we don't have any evidence of that. We. You can learn all that online, I guess. So we're trying to determine how he learned how to do that. So we we don't have the amount, but as soon as, um, it's another thing that hopefully my staff is taking notes here, uh, we can get out to you in a press release as soon as we're comfortable that it won't compromise the investigation. Did the bomb tech or any
0: experts say anything about how, like, how much it could have blown up if it would
3: have the house up, building? No, they did not. Trevor.
0: Gee, you talked a lot about the society problems, how they've been dumped on the because other agencies don't have the funding or the resources. What is the solution? I mean, the cops are getting asked. a heck of a lot
3: to spend right now. And it seems like it's leading to a lot of tension. What's the solution? So, uh, just going back to my government class in high school, uh, Miss Battle, hello, says my teacher. It's three branches of government, right? Legislative, judicial and executive. We're a local democracy here in, in in Dallas and our council has a role, but there's a greater role in policy making and folks just need to do their job. There's there's too many things we all agree on, on both sides of the aisle, that we hadn't gotten done. And, and we just need to get it done. And, and quit asking cops to, to chime in and do it for you. That's We got a full plate. The policy making, uh, the laws being passed—that's their job, and they need to do it so that we can uh, be safer in this country. And and the issues have been long discussed. I can't stand watching cable news anymore. It's been discussed, you know, for forever, and it's we're just not getting to a place where we do anything. And that's the frustration for police officers: is, is that we all know what needs to be done that we agree on. Let's get that done. Just to say we did something to, to help everyone. Can you got a follow-up? Can you just
0: elaborate on that? But I think a lot of people don't <clears> understand <throat> from the frontline police perspective, what does need? To can you explain that a
3: little more? Well, something on guns. You know, I was asked, Well, oh, what's your opinion about guns? Well, ask the policymakers to do something and then I'll give you an opinion. Put put a law out there and I'll give you an opinion about it. But to have me do that job, I'll pass on that get in that debate and get swallowed up by both sides who are entrenched in their positions. I I want no part of that. Do your job. We're doing ours. We're putting our lives on the line. Other aspects of government need to step up and help us. Anything else, Trevor? Alfie? Uh, Thanks, Chief. You commented in
0: the past on uh, the distrust of police that runs throughout the black community. How do you begin to break down that notion that cooperating with the police is tantamount to betraying one's own race. I think the biggest
3: aspect of our community policing efforts is, is interacting with youth uh, in a positive way. That that begins shaping your worldview. The earlier you can get to young people, the better opportunity and chance you have of shaping their worldview differently than what their environment is telling them. So that's number one. Number two is holding yourself accountable. When the 1% or 2% of officers don't do the job in the right ways, say it and hold them accountable. If that means separating the employment, well, that that's, that's just what it means. You can't risk that 1% or 2% defining the 98% or defining the profession by their mistakes. So that, really those are two big rocks I think we could all... Hopefully, agree on that. You know, young people and holding officers accountable for uh, what they do is tantamount to uh, gaining trust.
0: Uh, I know that you have been very, very progressive in your uh, chief on the beat, copying with cops. And is that something you'd like to see rolled out amongst other departments across the country?
3: The departments are understanding what needs to be done, they all have their ways. Of doing things, I participate in Major City Chiefs Association, great association, and we all discuss every quarter. All the major cities get together, chiefs, and and discuss all of this. And uh, the the, the policing environment, I think, is the one held most accountable, and the the one, if you look back, just a generation that made the most progress. Uh, We just need to see that from all aspects of, of government. John.
2: Uh, good morning, Chief. Good morning. Uh, question about how your officers do their job today. Um, after this uh, this incident, um,
0: we know that some of your officers are patrolling in, in pairs now. Uh, one of your detectives told me uh, that they don't know if they're being hunted. Uh, he reminded me that that two two
3: three round went through uh, your Kevlar body armor like butter. How
0: do your uh, men and women on the beat, go out and practice community policing that you're so dedicated to, and yet you have this shadow of this horrific event that's now happened a few days ago. and I have a follow-up on the open
3: Okay, so how they do it they, was still resolve, Bravery and courage. That's how they do it. And knowing that community policing makes them safer. It makes them safer. People are likely in the community, if they trust you, to protect you, and when something goes wrong, to give you the evidence to resolve crime, if they trust you. So trust is a thing uh, that is invaluable. It's priceless if we're able to build that kind of trust in these communities that need us the most, especially. that That is the safest way to police. You'll follow up on open carry? Um,
1: we know that there live from a- Dallas, Police Chief David O'Brown taking questions from reporters following last week's shooting deaths of five officers. You're listening to live coverage from ABC News. People
0: using the new Texas law will uh, actually uh, <coughs> deal with uh, open carry and demonstration.
3: That it's difficult at best. When we, we express this, you know, it's a little different here in Texas. Where, where, are, you, where are you from? Oh. Here. You're from Texas, oh, you know, all right. So. It's a little different here in, in Texas in the way we view uh, open carry, concealed carry. Uh, and we, we've had great dialogue with our state legislators about this and we've expressed all of our concerns. And we're trying as best we can as a law enforcement community to make it work so the citizens can express their Second Amendment rights. Uh, but it's increasingly in, uh, challenging uh, when people have AR-15 slung over and shootings occur in a crowd and they begin running And we don't know, or we don't know if they're the shooter or not, or they begin, it's been been the presumption that a good guy with a gun is the best way to resolve some of these things. Well, we don't know who the good guy is versus who the bad guy is if everybody starts shooting. And we've expressed that concern as well. And I I, I have every belief and trust that our folks are listening at the state on, on this issue, particularly as it involves protests. Jason?
0: You mentioned you've interviewed Michael Jones and other family members, and has your family been cooperative? Let's have one more
3: question. I don't, ha- I don't have that information. I, I can I don't have any indication that they're not being cooperative at this point.
0: And regarding the letters are there, is there any chance that he was trying to write maybe another letter, or is it- were you sure that it's just two
3: letters? I have no idea about that either. When I find it out, I, I certainly will share it with-, with you all. Any other questions, John? Jason, I'm sorry.
0: Nia. Yeah. Can you talk about some of the conversations you've
3: had with the family of officers? I'd like to leave that private if you don't mind. Are they in support? Yes. Uh, and you asked for support from the community on the night that this all happened. Do you feel that like you're getting it? Yes, overwhelmingly. Dallas, and I use the word Dallas loves because Dallas has had the reputation of being a, a city that hates so just one example why i say it loves they took an inner city kid like me with flaws and made it made me their police chief that's an extraordinary city and have supported me through very difficult challenges Um, you don't see that everywhere you know one of the first people to get when we have a controversy, the police chief get thrown under the bus. It's one of the most difficult jobs in, in the country right now, being a police chief in a major city. And I've seen my friends just thrown under the bus, man, when something go bad. I, I haven't, this mayor, this council, this city manager, the previous city manager, Mary Sue, hello, Mary. She hired me, are, are, they're different people, they're special. And I, I'm just proud to be uh, working here. Uh, as their police chief. I, I'm just proud to be associated with the leadership here in, in this town. It's a special place. It really is. That's all I had on my list. Hang on just a second. Hang on just a second because nobody else is on my list. If you do this orderly, I'll take some more questions. But if you all try to talk over each other, I'm going to go have another cup of coffee, okay? All right. So Lady in the Orange, what's your name, who you work with? Jennifer Langrand, ATVT, CBS, London, out of Dallas. Okay. question is not about the investigation, but about all of the fields and services plan this week, how do you prepare yourself and your staff for this? I I have no idea. Today will be a day, hopefully after this, I can really get in a quiet place and and get my head around these services. It it, is gonna be uh, the most challenging thing in my life, to be quite honest with you. I, I I don't know how I'm gonna make it through the week. That's why I wanted to do this, where I could have the rest of the day to begin the services tomorrow, and hopefully you all won't bug me and respect that I'm trying to get through the last funeral, from Tuesday to the last funeral. If you do, I hope you respectfully understand why I'll ignore you, because it, it, it's nothing personal. I like all of you, well, most of you, and uh, we can we can hopefully get past this with, with God's good grace. Yes.
2: Chief, uh, Nomad Merchant with the Associated Press. <laughs> On the explosive device that was used, a previous police statement put the amount of the C4 plus the death cable at a count. Yes. Was there any structural damage sustained in the garage or anywhere else? And uh, exactly what part of the garage was it used in? And also, more generally, will you release today or tomorrow a, a timeline of the TikTok to use of what happened?
3: Probably not today. Uh, probably be several days. I'm, I'm going to try to get my guys home to get ready for these funerals. So we're likely to slow down a little bit. They've been going, not wanting to go home uh, to, to try to chase every lead. Um, there was damage. And, and I'm not sure, some parts, where this happened was in in the building proper, not the garage. So we've, we've misspoke on that. Uh, and we'll try to correct that, because we got a release that's gonna come out about the gun. I think we had another follow-up question about something else. And we'll try to include the location uh, a little bit more clarification about where it happened.
2: The building probably being El Centro.
3: Yeah, yes.
2: And uh, do you know what floor, what part of the building? Second floor. Second floor. I
3: I, I can't describe what part, but the second floor. And we'll get the details. Try to get the details of, of that to you today Chief, in a press release. I
0: that about uh, the El Centro College. Um, I understand that there were actually people on lockdown in the college building at the time that SWAT detonated that bomb. Is that correct?
3: Yes, there was uh, a lot of students in the building before this, this suspect ran up the building. And our, our officers got most of them out. We learned here recently that two students stayed in there overnight, afraid to move because of all the shooting. And we got them out the next uh, the next morning. So they were there just recently, yes, explosion. just recently. So they were, it's uh, that's a, that's a big building, it's a big floor. So they, they didn't, they weren't uh, in any danger or anything like that as a result of the explosion. I'm gonna ask, Uh, morning news reporter here been waiting patiently, our local and only paper. If y'all don't mind, I'm going to give him a little privilege here. Yes? Chief,
0: when will the police department be officially releasing the names of the victims? And also, can you speak a little bit to how the
3: investigation is going to go with federal involvement too? Yes, so because sources leaked the names of our officers before the families were ready, it really became a moot point for us to release officially, and we didn't really see the need. But if you see the need to officially release, we'll do that. Mm-hmm. I, we, we think it's a moot point. Everyone knows. No one's been misidentified. We were just taking the leave from the families, and I promised them the night that their loved one was killed, I would not release their name until you tell me it was okay. And I, I, I believe in keeping that promise. Mm-hmm. Hang on just a second. This, this guy was after these two. Yes sir. I just already showed the
0: order's news. Can you talk a little bit about specifically into uh you robot in the law, was there any concern that you might bring the building down without concern at all? And also you see now the robot as another officer in the force, you might have used
3: in this way. Um I asked the question of how much we were using and I said don't don't bring the building down. But that's that was the extent of my guidance. Alright? I, I just said I trust you. You know what I want done. Uh, they improvised this whole idea in about 15, 20 minutes. Extraordinary. Uh, there was somebody over here that hadn't asked. Hang on, to- I'm sorry, I'll get to you as soon as I get back over here. There was someone, yes, ma'am. Uh, we've turned the responsibility of security detail for the president uh, to our law enforcement partners. Uh, Arlington PD is, is working with the Secret Service on that, and they'll be working with any other law enforcement partners we have in the area to do that. I didn't want my cops uh, having that responsibility because of the fatigue factor. I didn't want something to go wrong with the president coming here because we're tired. Uh, they, they volunteered to do it. Appreciate uh, Arlington doing that. Let me speak a little bit about the scare here at headquarters uh, the other day. Uh, and this this is a little lecturing, so I'm, I'm, I'm lecturing and then I'm going to get off the soapbox. But when, when reporters say there are shots fired irresponsibly, when they did not hear any shots fired and no one else any heard any shots fired, that puts our officers at risk. If you tell me shots are fired, I'm, I'm the adrenaline pump and rush for that, it's hard to take a step without falling. Let alone think about where the shots are coming from, has anybody heard it? It's the most irresponsible thing a reporter can do is say shots fired when you didn't hear it. And if you heard it and you're near an officer, tell the officer, don't tweet it. So we can convey the message in the way that creates safety for our officers. So I'm gonna get off my soapbox, but it wasn't you. I'm just saying, you know who you are don't do that again that makes that makes the hair on our head raise, and it just makes us unsafe in the way we conduct ourselves just to say shots fired don't do that that's irresponsible Chief, has, the, has a robot ever been used before and if so in that prior incident was also a deadly incident no, hadn't been used before. I'm gonna wrap up. I'm tired. I don't have anything else left for you. But I get your. I'm sorry. You. This is the last question right here, Lay. You were persistent. Hannah huh? with PBS. All right. You were late. And then uh, we've been looking for you for like 30 minutes. Go ahead, Hannah. Last question. You got the last question. But what do you need to do right now, urgently, to, like,
1: what else can you possibly do to make sure the violence that we've seen in the last week doesn't happen again, something specific?
3: So we are, obviously it's a priority, focused on the families for the funerals. While that's happening, we're getting 911 calls every second. And we're fighting against the increase in violent crime that every city in the country has been fighting against since last summer. Uh, we had plans to do some things as a result of a spiking violent crime this month that we had to uh, delay. Um, the number one thing I would say that we are doing is supporting each other as officers, watching each other's back showing that we care about each other. Uh, I I think not letting anything divide us as a police family. Not anything or anyone get us off track on our mission. And, And that's simplified, but I think it's easy for cops to understand that the number one thing is for us to stick together. Watch out for each other. Protect each other. Care about each other. Say it. Express it. And make sure we do everything we can to go home to our loved ones. Every shift. Well, what about people on the community? See, you taking liberties that you don't have. I've being late. You're being late. Thank you all so much. I appreciate Live it. Live from Dallas, Police Chief David O. Brown.
1: Detectives still do not know the scope of the gunman's plans, but the chief said Micah Johnson kept a large stockpile of bomb-making materials and he knew what he was doing. Detectives are now viewing countless hours of footage from surveillance cameras, officer body cameras, and dashboard cameras. It can't be easy for them to watch. Detectives are also reading more than 300 statements of officers and eyewitnesses to get a better sense of what went on. Eleven officers in total traded fire with gunman Johnson. Two officers were responsible for detonating the C-4 explosive that ultimately killed him. Asked about that tactic, Brown said, I'd do it again. He said there was no ethical dilemma for him. Brown said they're still trying to decipher the initials RB scrawled on the parking garage wall where Johnson had been cornered. The chief also confirmed nine officers in total were wounded during the attack from three different departments. I'm Aaron Katursky. You're listening to live coverage from ABC News. want to get straight back live to Dallas now. ABC's Jim Ryan in the room during the press conference. Uh, A rather remarkable hour or so, Jim, a a real charisma and passion uh, that Brown displayed for his officers and his profession.
2: Yeah, wide-ranging, stretching from his own growing up here in the Dallas area to becoming a, the police chief. He said that itself said something about this place, a kid with trouble becoming the chief of police of the city of Dallas. And he did touch on something, and that is the, the sort of thankless nature of this job. And, and some of the, the police chiefs in this city do not have good any- Career. Uh, he talked a little bit about his thoughts on uh, on legislative action. He says that too much of the responsibility for running society falls right in the laps of police officers when it should be handled by legislatures looking at different uh, laws that can improve the situation uh, here in Dallas. And notably, he said that he and his family have received death threats
1: since Thursday night and the shooting of uh, the Micah Johnson shooting downtown. Remarkable indeed. A Facebook post, he said, that came to the department's Facebook page, but he said the department is taking all threats, whether they can confirm them or not, seriously. ABC's Jim Ryan there in Dallas. Also there for us is ABC's Alex Stone. Alex.
0: And you can tell from what he said there, Aaron, just how on edge this city still is, that there were those threats over the weekend. There were some reports of shots being fired. The snipers went up on rooftops. Police snipers, SWAT teams came out. The, we are, what, four days now after the shooting, and still uh, there are uh, folks, and especially uh, police officers, uh, who are uh, a bit on edge right now. And, and he says with those threats coming in, they're going to continue to be that way. But... Parts of this city are starting to get back to as they were before the shooting. Streets beginning to reopen up. Still, though, there is a 12-block crime scene right in the heart of downtown Dallas.
1: ABC's Alex Stone in Dallas, where police chief David O. Brown was asked a, a number of times about the relationship between police and the policed. At one point, he challenged protesters to get off the demonstration line and into a uniform. He said bluntly, we're hiring. President Obama arrives in Dallas tomorrow to pay tribute to the fallen, along with former President George W. Bush and the vice president, and the funerals for the five officers killed begin. I'm Aaron Katursky. You've been listening to live coverage, Ambush in Dallas, from ABC News.
0: ABC News, honored. Winner for the third straight year with the Edward R. Murrow Award for overall excellence in television and radio. ABC News, America's number one news choice.